Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. Much anticipated by fans, Zack Snyder's four-hour director's cut of Warner Brothers' 2017 Justice League has arrived on HBO Max. Here to talk about the film is director Zack Snyder, joined by two members of the visual effects team, Weta Digital's visual effects supervisors, Kevin Smith and Anders Langlands. Smith's credits include serving as Weta's CG supervisor on James Cameron's Avatar, and more recently was visual effects supervisor on soon-to-be-released Godzilla vs. Kong. Langlands was recently nominated for an Oscar for his work on Milan and is currently working on Warner Brothers' The Batman. Weta was one of several visual effects houses that worked on the Snyder Cut, so let's get started. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. Zach, Kevin, Anders, thank you so much for joining us. So pleasure. It's exciting. I'm excited to be here. So, Zach, let's start with the timeline. Um, I know the schedule was tight. When did you actually begin work on your cut, and how much time did you have to complete it? Well, my cut, the actual original cut of the, the movie, the cut of the movie that we were working on 
the visual effects before and just kind of was a cut that I had finished in, uh, in uh, I think it was January of 2017. So I'd worked on it uh, through November and December of 16 and into 17. And then I finished it in the beginning of February and sort of set it aside um, after a lot of work. And then when I left uh, Justice League, um, that was the cut that I put on my laptop top and took home with me. Um, and so, uh, and then now these years later, when the movie actually was experienced the Renaissance, if you will, um, it was that version, that QuickTime that was on my desktop, that is the really the became the, the spy, the, basically the movie that we that we put back together. So, so when was it approved that this would be made, and how much time did you have to complete the work? Yeah, um, it was well in November of seventeen, November seventeenth, two years ago, on the second anniversary of Justice League's theatrical release. Um, there was a huge Twitter storm, and I finally got a call from the studio saying, all right, enough, uncle, uh, let us, <laughs> what can we do to make the movie? And so I think uh, that's when we really started the process of what would it take to make it. My, my knee jerk was forget it, because what they proposed, their first proposal was, we don't want to do any visual effects, we don't want to spend any money, we just want to release the movie as is with the previous. And you can imagine, I said, yeah, no, that's, that doesn't make any sense. Um, that, that benefits no one. Um, and so then uh, I kind of told them what it would take. And, um, and then when COVID came along, there was a little bit of a, of a window because some movies went down and there was, a, there was a availability for some of the visual effects houses. And uh, we, then we went to work, it was June of 2020. Okay. Um, so that included shooting one new scene, new visual effects. Correct. Uh, tell Correct. us about the, the scope and we of didn't, the work. We, we shot that scene in October, so June, July, August, September. It took us five months to get our shit together to shoot that scene. And that was a lot of back and forth. I went with the studio. They didn't want me to shoot anything, and I wanted to, and there was a bit of a struggle there. But um, And it was a green screen shoot. Uh, I shot it with um, these really... Um, I have them here, but this isn't these uh, Canon Dream lenses, which are really tricky and difficult to, um, which are I'm sure you guys will attest to, uh, <laughs> and work with. I, I just finished the movie Army of the Dead, um, which I shot entirely with the Dream lenses, um, wide open the entire film. We never put a stop on the entire film, and it, it looks it came out amazing, but it was hard for everyone. Focus pullers, everybody got fired. Nobody got fired. Nobody got fired. I don't fire anyone. Um, but, um, but so, um, yeah, so we shot that scene with Jared Leto and uh, Ben Affleck and, the, and Ray and Amber um, and Joe and Ezra. And uh, Ezra was in England. Ezra remotely. Yeah, we shot him via Zoom. And then I think we just kind of used a projection on him, um, some kind of uh, way to make him work in the end. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so that was the way we shot it against green screen. And um, then, uh, and I shot one other little scene for the very, very end of the movie, but that. Okay. And we have our friends from Weta here today to talk about their visual effects, but you had additional visual effects houses working on this. So in, in total, um, roughly how many new visual effects shots had to be created for the project? 
I think the final count is 2,600 and something, 80, something like that. Uh, close to close to 200, 2,000, so yeah, close to 2,700 shots. So it's six months, so it's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly how many visual effects houses were working on it? Um, I want to say four or five, five, maybe. You know, there was a couple small houses that were doing like just kind of picking up the the crazy stuff. Like I'm like, oh, I want maybe snow in that scene. It's like, I want to what? Uh, you know, it's like every now and then I would say something crazy and they would have to. Well, Weta, yeah. I know, did about a thousand shots in this. Sure. Um, and um, let's start. Awesome let's start with um, just kind of the uh, the overall approach. Um, visual effects have obviously advanced a lot in recent years. So how how did you keep it consistent? How much work uh, from the uh, the night the the one that re the theatrical well, that was released in twenty seventeen was used? And how did you keep the look consistent? In theory, the way we kept it consistent was we pretty much remade all the shots. That, that's how we that's how we get because I think there's a few that made it through, but very few. Um, I can't even, I don't even, maybe none. I mean, I, you guys will know better, but like very few shots made it through. I mean, I, I did a count with Tamara because, you know, the uh, aspect ratio, um, that change alone, changing the aspect ratio from 185 to the original way I shot the movie in, in Academy in, in 133, that change alone, um, you know, the triggered massive insanity of uh, re redoing. And I think the thing that happened with that was that um, I asked Tamara, how many shots did we, did we not, did we just crop? Uh, and it turned, that's a, it's 11 shots um, <laughs> total that, that, we, that we just cropped because we couldn't redo them. So. That's a lot. That's a that's a huge testament to the work that these guys have done because it's unbelievable. I mean, it's a four-hour movie. It's a solid four hours. It's not like a close. It's four hours. Yeah, 2,700 visual effects shots is a is a big two-hour plus visual effects movie by itself. Yes, it's it a is. Whole, it's a yes, whole it other is. Movie. Well, let's start with talking about Dark Side. Um, uh, yeah. Kevin Anders, do you want to start with that? Uh, well, Darkseid was, I mean, he's, he's, you know, he was originally going to appear as, you know, as he is now in the version, in the 2017 um, version of the film. But when, when Zach left and obviously he was, his performance pieces were switched to Steppenwolf, who, who appeared in uh, like the history lesson scene, um, for instance, he was swapped out there. And, and, that, and that scene was cut down dramatically in the version that eventually made it to theatres in 2017. But we'd, because he was there originally, we'd actually gotten a reasonable way with building his character, which was great because we didn't have a lot of time to build him from scratch this time around. So um, it, it was a question of bringing him back to life, really, and then just polishing him off and adding you know, that extra little bit of love and attention for those really big hero moments we have with him now. You know, he, he has a really strong um, fight scene in the, in the history lesson, the flashback scene where Diana's na narrating the history of Darkseid and, yeah. and all that stuff. And then he appears at the end of the movie in a bunch of shots that Kevin was doing, um, you know, where he faces off with Superman at the end there. And he's got his really hero moments um, where he's just, you know, looking all imperious and staring Superman down. Um, yeah. So it was, it was, it was great in a, in a way to bring sort of two different versions of the character to life, right? You've got this younger version of him that we see in the flashback that sort of, we played a bit more sort of animalistic and younger, more aggressive, full of testosterone, maybe you could say. And then this older version of him at the end of the movie where he's, you know, much more regal in a way. We see him surrounded 
surrounded by his whole entourage, you know, all of his armies and his, um, his acolytes. And uh, he, he plays as much more um, reserved and just imperious as opposed to the more wild aggression we see earlier in the film. So it's fun to bring sort of two different versions of that to life there. So, so tell us about making the character. Did this involve performance capture? Yeah, we rely heavily on performance capture for all of the um, all of our motion, all of our all of our animation performances. Um, Dark Side was played by a couple of guys, um, Isaac and Isaac, uh, Ike. What's Ike's last name? Do you know? Hammond. Ike Hammond and um, and um, Alan. Uh, Alan Hammond, Alan yeah, Henry, did yeah. uh, did a lot of the did I think almost all of the motion capture performance capture for us um, really across the board. So they had a lot of fun with that because you be you know you go into the into, into the volume and it's just like. All right, and you're Batman, and now you're Dark Side, and now you're this guy, and they, they had and they had a lot of fun with it, just being, being able to cycle through kind of all those characters and and get in the roles and and do those performances. Yeah, and it, it was with that with, with this this whole beat of Dark Side um, fighting against the Defenders of the Earth and. Um, in the flashback, there's you know there's there's a there's whole great fight moments that we created you know from from scratch essentially. There was I think it was some of it was designed in the original 2017 version, but we fleshed that out a lot more and added a lot more to it. And um, you know uh, uh, Simon, our animation supervisor, and our, and our performers got down on the stage and just created a whole bunch of different ideas that we then brought into 3D and started putting um, cameras on. And then we sent those over so that um, we could discuss them with um, Zach and DJ and they could start figuring out what the shots wanted to be for for those scenes um and so that really like that that time on the stage with the performers really formed the backbone of what um those beats ended up being yeah because i remember we we ended up having that now we have that moment where we cut the hand off and you have to he has that beat where um the ring the the the, the green lantern ring comes off and kind of floats in front of him and he's just about to grab it and he gets hit with that arrow and there's a really nice moment where you see him kind of He's about to grab it, and he has this look on his face, like, "Oh, like that seems like a thing. If I get a hold of, will be pretty awesome." Yeah. <laughs> I, I just like that ominous moment where, like, if you'd gotten hold, who knows what would happen if you'd gotten hold of that thing. So it's, it's probably a good idea that uh, Aries put that um, arrow in his. So, what were yeah. some of the visual effects challenges to creating Artists. the character, and uh, you know, lighting him and putting him into this world? Uh, oh, he's gray, so that's always difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you say yeah. he's going to be gray, but like, of course, you put a gray character in a bright orange environment, like um, the, the history lesson, and he becomes orange very you get quickly. Get an orange character. Yeah, so <laughs> that's always a challenge. Oh, I think he right absorbing. He absorbs. He loves light. He loves. Those yeah, things. he sucks up all the light, and that, he loves to be the color light. of the world he's in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I think he was. Um, his his challenges really were. Uh, were, oh Christ! I forgot. I have. I've, Everything. Everything. I, look, I think Everything, I, yeah. I, I would answer that question in a different way. I would say that we're very privileged at, at Weta to. You, you kind of you kind of run into this every interview. Where in a sense we're constantly standing on the shoulders of giants. Like we're really good at. We're a creature place, and we do creatures and characters. And and the pipeline here has been set up and developed over the last twenty years since Lord of the Rings for us to do characters in, and in a sense and there's always little things for each character like oh he's gray so it's hard it makes it difficult to light him but um the the quality of the creature development here is is such that you can stop worrying about technical things and just focus on giving this guy a performance he's a completely synthetic actor and 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 taking the the reference that we got from zach in the production and all the the the, 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 cap, the video, the iPhone videos of these guys doing their performances and trying to make sure that that comes through 
in uh, in on screen, and and it turns that thing from a you know a a creature into a character yeah. and, into a performer in the movie. Yeah, yeah, the Wolf work that you guys did is really unbelievable too. Just like his, you know, I've gotten so many comments. Uh, you know, I've been doing interviews for the last two days. So I've done like a hundred interviews, wow. and um, literally a hundred, and uh, so many comments on the Steppenwolf dark side relationship and that it's complex and that it's not just like these two, like you really like these people saying like how much they, they kind of like are, they feel bad for, for Steppenwolf. And they really, you know, like, you know, like a couple of guys like I'm team Steppenwolf, you know? And I'm like, what? No, you're, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, that that, that's just a testament to what you guys have been able to achieve in the performances. And, um, you know, to get these characters, as you say, that are completely synthetic and have no business making me feel anything, um, making me like wonder about their backstories or like what their relationship was and all that stuff. That's really just amazing. Yeah, because I came up in a previous interview because a lot of people, the, the immediate thing that you see about Steppenwolf is that he's now completely different. He's, he's not a humanoid. He's this obviously alien guy. He's got this cool, shiny armor that, you know, this uh, mood armor that moves with him, which is the obvious thing. But, I, you know, pe people keep asking about that. What about the new design? What about the new design? And, and our answer keeps being, that like the new design is a reflection. It's more that it's a reflection of that. It's a different character and it's a more complicated character. And, and the addition of Dark Side and like and like Zach is saying, all this backstory, um, it, yeah, it, it helps him be turned into more of a character than a creature. And and I totally agree with you. Like when he finally dies, it's he's definitely at that point with all that backstory becomes a sympathetic character. You're like, oh, yeah. like you're not a great person but i kind of feel bad for you a little bit yeah yeah it's just great that he has a chance to actually live you know in this one that we actually get time to spend with him and explore that relationship with dark side with the obelisk you know moments where, where he's talking to him and decide and to understand what his motivations are and that's always a much more compelling thing for us when we're creating characters like that not just having someone just go in and swing an axe around for five minutes you know but yeah. to actually understand who they are like live like work through the performance that the actors given and, and bring that to life on that character and then and have that drive the story in the film you know and so that was that was one of the, the biggest things for us i think and in, in revisiting um and bringing back zach's original vision for this was uh, having these characters much more fully developed much more rounded um was a huge plus point for everyone involved i think have you guys gotten the film yet the uh yes film? yeah i have got a leg i actually i watched it um two days ago now okay great, great. yeah which is great I, yeah much better than the than the other one so <laughs> Really enjoyed it. Uh, you also redesigned Steppenwolf. Um, Zach, why don't you tell us about the the changes that you wanted to make? Well, we well, I mean, if you watch uh, Batman versus Superman, um, the Steppenwolf that's in the Genesis Chamber at that end of that movie is basically our Steppenwolf that is here with us now. Um, the studio thought, in retrospect, that he was too scary and too uh, weird looking, and they wanted a more humanoid, you know, like a softer character. They thought, you know, a guy with a helmet on is fun, more fun than whatever the hell Steppenwolf is. Now, our guy, our mons, he's a monster, um, frankly. I mean, in a great way. Um, and so, um, but in developing him, in, in making him in now in this version where we were like, okay, we're going to make him real, you know, because we hadn't made him walk. He just had one shot of him in the Genesis chamber with, you know, he's, he's and he's also made out of liquid geo, which is that kind of weird metal um, uh, you know, 
uh, technology that the um, Kryptonians use to to communicate. I don't. I love also just a quick aside is that we like we have the Apocalypticians and they use this hologram technology that is the most primitive thing you can possibly imagine. They basically take molten metal and they like it makes the form of their bodies and they talk in it and like like <laughs> molten metal drips off of them. Like clearly, like it seems like you could have a hologram or some other form of communication, <laughs> but um, it's cool that they just use this incredibly brutal way of, of like projecting their image across, you know, vast uh, areas of space. Anyway, so sorry, that's an aside, but we always, DJ and I always laugh about how absurd that is, but how cool it looks. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so we had this character and then when we were doing our tests with him, early on, you know, and like how the mood armor would work. And um, it, 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 it immediately struck us as like, okay, this is so much cooler than um, anything that we were being forced to do by the studio in the old version. Um, and uh, yeah, so seeing him walk and talk and move and starting to see like how he would like get mad and his armor would flare out. We were just like, okay, this is just awesome. And then the guys, did an amazing job making that those two things happen kind of the trick of course is that you know performance and here we have this other super technical aspect of him and that is that his armor is this kind of scaly spiky shiny like um environmentally responsive um complete suit that like if he gets mad kind of gets spiky and therefore if it's like if he's backlit or side lit all the reflections have to do all the correct things and everything else. And they have to not occlude each other. And it's like, uh, it's pretty com complicated because he's also moving right. a lot of the time. Right. So, um, you know, just in awe of like what the guys were able to do with that. Right. So, uh, Kevin Anders, how did, how did you do it? Tell us about it. Well, the, the, um, <laughs> there's a there's a whole army of people. Yeah, I know it looks like just two of us, but um, the the technical the technical bit of that was uh, that we the important thing for us is always to be to get that performance so, to let um, Simon, who is animation supervisor, um, not focus on things that are technical and just try to get a, a a good anime performance about that, and then be able to take that animation, put a complicated um, simulation on top of it in software called Houdini to get um, the armor to do the right thing without it, without some poor sucker having to be like, take one piece and move it, take the next piece and move it. So it was all, all done procedurally. Um, and we, we tried to distill all of the things that made the armor do the things that made it cool down into just one knob where we could go more and less, more or less, more or less. Wow. That's cool. And, and you know, that's, that's fair. That's an overly simplified thing, but it helped us. Um, what talk when we, when we talked to Zach because then Zach could just go I want well, I want more or less and more or less so you know and, and was it keyframe animation or um, did you uh, it's do, a combination do performance so capture performance for, for capture for you know the base of it and then um, those performances are always have a certain amount of keyframe built on top of them depending on you know um, just for extra finesse or depending on how out there the thing is whether we could actually capture it with the stunt man on the stage or not doing the doing that performance yeah like hands are always a problem i mean and especially when he's got two thumbs he's got he's got two thumbs he's got like yeah. seven fingers so how yeah. do you for that? by the way his hands are his hands are absolutely crazy and i'm always like wait is that oh that's his other thumb that's his weird <laughs> he has this weird finger like yeah. back here on the wrist 
That is, it's crazy. One of my favorite Steppenwolf performance shots, well, there's two. One where he, like, um, uh, when he arrives in um, where the, uh, where the uh, history lesson was, where he sees the anti-life equation, you know, after he puts his hands in the mother box and, like, he's looking around and he's looking super, like, what the heck? But, but the other one I really love is right before Darkseid comes out of the monolith, there's, like... The side goes back into the monolith, and um, you see him kind of looking around, like, okay, like, what's going on? And then all the, like, parademons start to, like, get down on one knee and, like, look like they know what's going on. And there's this great look on his face, like, what, what, what's going on? Like, <laughs> it's really amazing. We always come up, it's like, oh, always the last to know, Steppenwolf. <laughs> Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it was good fun. Um, for the the scene that you reshot at the end, for the ending, um, to uh, to keep consistency with the rest of the story, was any de aging work or anything like that involved on any of the actors? I don't think so. I mean, Ben uh, weirdly, when he returned to do the reshoots, was in the best shape that I've had him over the last you know two movies probably, um, and so. He looked younger than I was like, what is this? Like, are we doing goodwill hunting? This is like, <laughs> honestly, uh, if anything, I had to make him look older. So I don't know what, what, um, you know, what, where, where he's been, what, what fountain of youth he's been uh, hanging out in, but I, I need to get some of that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, yeah. And also it would have been, you know, the movie, this is like five, this is supposedly five or six years after into the future you know their the world is destroyed and they're just kind of like this ragtag band so um yeah so we didn't we had we, we didn't have to, to de-age them but you know as i said before there was a lot of complicated um work uh to do with these crazy lenses and the guys really <laughs> handled it quite quite well uh, i think i think the result is great i yeah they weren't the easiest keys to pull but i think i think i think it looks amazing it does. It's, it doesn't look like any movie I, I've seen, so it's cool. Talk about directing them amid COVID. Yeah, I mean, I had done, um, in the weeks right before that, we had done some additional photography for Army of the Dead, which is the other movie I'm finishing right now. And uh, so we kind of had a little bit, we were a little bit in the zone with COVID. Um, the unions had figured out their protocols, and so we were able to respond to those. And... Um, I was getting tested like crazy because um, I was the DP and the director of that um, little shoot and of both. And so like weirdly the union, the two unions hadn't agreed. So because I was in two unions, I had to get tested twice. <laughs> like, oh no, I got tested already. And they were like, no, but you didn't get tested for us. So I'd be like, yeah, but should, uh, I can't pass it over. So yeah, so it was a lot of, my nose was really getting violated quite badly during that. <laughs> Part of the thing, but um, all in all, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Um, I did have a couple issues when I was operating, but I had my uh, N95 where I couldn't like. I started to get short of breath because I'm holding the camera and I was like, you know, trying to like focus and forget to breathe. And then when you try and breathe, you can't get like a big suck of air. And so it was. Um, but I'm complaining over really nothing. It, it was a joy to get to work with those guys, and um, yeah, 
it was fun. Right. And then, um, and then how did, uh, how did, um, your COVID procedures affect, um, the work at Weta and your review and approval process and things like that? Well, I will say that, um, it made me jealous, uh, because a couple of times I got on the phone with, I know I, got on the phone, I would get on the phone with them and they would be in a boardroom and, or like, a, you know, a room with a bunch of people and they'd all be sitting there, you know, they'd be drinking and then passing the cup to their friend. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm in like a uh, hazmat suit and, you know, unable to like have human contact of any kind. So yeah, that was difficult for me to look at. Maybe I wanted to move immediately to New Zealand and just like be that guy, but I, I resisted that. I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah, so from my side, I had already like we had settled into this crazy COVID system, like where I had editorial um, was hooked together and visual effects were all hooked together. I had so up in the up in my editorial bay, I had I had two avids. And then I had um, a second Avid that was a um, for, edits, for visual effects. And then I had a big monitor on the wall for reviews. And then we did the visual effects reviews downstairs in my theater. So I just would walk around the house all day. Um, and it would all just get piped in. But um, so the one, the one positive is, is that we, um, because we don't really have, we didn't really have life outside of this. We were able to, we worked late and got up early. So we got a lot done in the time that we had. So tell us about creating the, uh, the end sequence, the battle. Yeah. So I had done some drawings. Um, I doodled this little sequence and I wrote this little scene and, um, DJ and I talked about it at first. We had talked about and, a version. And DJ but, being the production visual effects supervisor. For yeah. DJ is my, uh, visual effects soup who, um, who's worked, uh, We've worked with Weta um, for years, literally, um, uh, on creating these these um, these movies. And uh, DJ has a great relationship with Weta and really loves working as as do I. Um, and uh, this last process of making uh, Justice League has only um, you know really made that um, even more my feeling about it even more. Uh, complete because of the, the challenges that they were they conquered instantly. Debbie was saying that, you know, whatever we do next, we got to get Weta to do it. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, and I said, oh, well, let's see. We'll see if they're available. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I drawn the sequence. And originally, DJ and I had talked about doing a lot of it. Like, he had this, he had a very ambitious look at it where it would just be like, 90% digital doubles because of COVID and we would just get these close-ups and that would be it. And there would be no overs. Like, you know, it'd be very, he was like, we can do it. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> but if we don't have to do it that way, should we probably not? I mean, if we can do like, yeah. so we ended up doing like a hybrid, I think, uh, you know, because we do have Cyborg and we do have Flash that are pretty much covered in a digital, our digital characters. Um, and, uh, you know, we do have a virtual environment that's completely virtual and parademons that aren't there. And of course, you know, we're on a abandoned freeway in, you know, in the, you know, sort of dried up, you know, Gotham Harbor. So, you know, there's an aircraft carrier over there and a downed airplane over there. So it's not like, um, you know, where we were, we were anywhere. We were, and, and you can imagine that we were just on a green screen 
with one 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 little like two k uh, as the sun. <laughs> so uh, it was it was ambitious, um, but uh, you know the guys. Again, they did an amazing, the look is, and it's very looky because of the shallow focus and the weird palette and all this is super looky. So um, it was also complicated from an artistic standpoint. Oh, I think, I think, uh, I think he's um, said it, said it pretty well there. I mean, I, I, I love the, the, the shallow focus. It actually is one of those cases where <clears throat> kind of all these, all these, um, uh, weird's the wrong word, but like all these artistic uh, choices uh, that actually, instead of making it harder and harder and harder, they all actually kind of work together to to make it kind of easier for us. Because usually, the when you get the plates from a client, they haven't pointed the camera right at the lights <laughs> because you don't. That's not how you do it. But in you know, when we looked at when we first got the sequence, we looked at it, and, and I said to DJ, I'm like this is cool and these are be some hard keys to pull because we're looking at the lights. And as long as you're fine with us making that light into the sun and we're always have the camera point at the sun and then we, then this is going to be easy because we can just lean into this look that Zach got on set. And DJ was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's exactly what we want. We, you know, we want to treat that like the sun. And, and, and so we just, that's all we did. We leaned into it and we added, you know, we leaned into the, the desert and the, the apocalypticness of it. And they've got like, you know, gritty stuff on the camera and dust blowing through and, and, you know, it, it all kind of adds up together to make it, um, less technically difficult. Um, even though it's our, it was artistically challenging, if that makes sense. Do you want to elaborate though on the scope of what was involved? Um, I mean, the environments, digital doubles, I mean, I'd imagine some of these shots are fully CG. Yeah. You've got a couple establishers at, uh, um, at the beginning that's all CG and you basically have, uh, all our heroes and our actors and a couple practical cars standing on essentially green floor and green walls. So it was, it was up to us to, to, to populate that world um, and give them a, a coherent place to, to exist. Uh, so most of it on our side was, was matte painting. We, we had, we, we extended the set out a little bit while adding the, the you add the freeway floor and, and guardrails and we added um, more cars down the freeway um, the nice thing about the shallow focus decision up front was that we didn't have to build things up. So, uh, with such fidelity <laughs> to, to build the environment because it's all out of focus. So you can, you know, you don't need necessarily hero props. You can build stuff that doesn't have to hold up because it's never in focus. Um, and yeah, it was great. And I, and I, and we even had a couple plates uh, of, of the flash of Ezra that weren't shot in the same place which you could get away with because we're just putting everyone in a virtual environment anyway. So once you create that environment, you can populate that with whatever kind of plates or characters you, you need to do. It gives you, it, it makes it actually a little more, you get a little more freedom to, to, uh, to do what you need to do to get it, to get it done and match that look. Yeah. And the guy, and you guys were able to really um, preserve, there's a, the, the lenses have a particular flare pattern that I really um, in love with. And um, the, that really, shined through and was and is a big signature piece you know when joker's got like this weird kind of profile shot and the sun's there and there's hair blowing and then the flares are kind of like all over the place so yeah. there's a lot of tricky elements you can imagine there's a version where they're like we can't keep those flares we can't keep that gotta get rid of his hair and you know suddenly <laughs> it's just like a shot of nothing but that i really appreciate the kind of because i the problem is i just come off of army 
and like I said, we shot Army with those lenses, and I was constantly just pointing in the sun and constantly just like chasing the actors around. So I was used to using these lenses in practical environment, you know, where the literal sun was setting and I, you know, was able to get these crazy flares and stuff. So the fact that they were able to kind of do that kind of same thing um, in this virtual environment pretty quickly. Right, I, I, right. I, 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 I mean, I love it. And, and, and when you want to lean into it like that and replace the practical light with the sun and put that virtual environment in there, it's awesome. I mean, the problem, you know, with a, a, a lot of times you'll get things from people where they've, they, they only have the light there to get like this back three quarter light on the character. And they're like, we like the light, but can you, can we get rid of the light in the lens flares? <laughs> can you paint uh, all? No. It's like, no, no you no, can't you get rid of that. So yeah. there's know. nothing under there. There's nothing under those flares. <laughs> that will be a CG guy now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. That's cool. Well, at least I know that. See, I'm not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> We're almost out of time, but before we wrap, um, Zach, at this stage, is there, uh, have you given any thought or has there been any discussion to uh, future films in the franchise? In this franchise? Well, listen, I mean, not to be, you know, the purveyor of um, rumors. Uh, look, I'll just say this. Um, you know, I don't know how Warner Brothers, you know, they, they've, told me that they're not super interested in going forward with my version of the DCEU. Um, they have their own kind of way forward, of course, and I, I respect that because, you know, it's their IP. Um, but, you know, we never thought we'd be here talking about the four-hour version of Justice League either, so, you know, you never know. Anything you'd like to say to the fans before we wrap? Um, of course, just huge thanks for your support. Um, uh, the, the movie wouldn't have happened without them. Uh, and, um, you know, I just, uh, I couldn't, uh, be more proud of, uh, what they've been able to accomplish, you know, as I said before, with, um, their work surrounding mental health and suicide prevention, because it's unbelievable. So thank you for all that. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you guys for the amazing work. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.